In trivia that will impress no one except the most ardent of our listeners, Clay, it's, we have to note that today we are recording this on Friday, 9-8-2023, which is the 57th anniversary of TOS airing on television. So happy Star Trek Day. This day, this important day given to us by a failed novelist. <laughs> <laughs> I might be conflating. I might be conflating him with Elron Hubbard. <laughs> They're very similar. I, th- I think they were both in the I military. They were, they were yeah. buddies, I think, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were friendly. Roddenberry anyway, was jealous of uh, Elron's um, grift. It is a beautiful day, which should be observed by all. Yes, it's fifty-seven years. I don't know. The numbers always st- seem weird. Like we just went through our ninth anniversary, right? But doesn't nine years mm-hmm. of the podcast seem? much too large for 57 years of Star Trek time, if that makes sense to you. Like, that feels... <laughs> you're, really, you're really breaking this nine years down into, like, how it exists on the cosmic calendar <laughs> in, way, in ways disturbing to you. <laughs> the podcast has been around for one-sixth of Star Trek. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Even more if you get really technical about it. How so? No, I guess that's, I, no, I guess that's about right. Yeah, one-sixth. Don't get overcomplicated. Not, not, it's not ten, not ten years, not quite sixty years. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it's. Oh, sorry, I thought I clicked the wrong thing. But no, we're 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 almost there. We're almost there to sixty years. In three more years, when we're doing Voyager season five, we'll be <laughs> we'll be able to say such a thing. But we are instead in Voyager season three. Oh, and other news: it's also my firstborn son's birthday today. So happy seventh to Alistair. Oh, happy this birthday, is Alistair. before and after. He was born on Star Trek's 50th anniversary. This is before and after. It's the 21st episode of the third season of Voyager. When, when you a- have the cake for him, do you have to say, no, Alistair, this cake is for Gene. That's right. Yeah. Your, your fourth, your elder brother or your, uh, your godfather, Gene. Came out on April 9th, 1997. Okay, uh, written by Kenneth Biller. Sorry, it was my brain fritzed out there. Written by Kenneth Biller. It's hot in this room. Directed by yeah. Alan Croker. In-universe date, it's unknown, but it's 2373, 2369, 2370, 2371, 2374, 2378, and 2379. <clears throat> in before and after, nice. Kess finds herself... In temporal flux with her consciousness moving back in time through various episodes in her life up until her birth. Benjamin Button. Except I don't know if Benjamin Button had the memory. He, I've never seen the movie. I imagine he did not have amnesia going backwards in time. But uh, No. Yeah. He was just old when he was born. Right. There's no memory yeah. shenanigans going on. No, Benjamin, no memory shenanigans. Yeah, that would have made it. Who wrote Benjamin Button? Isn't that a famous sci-fi author? Benjamin Button was no. written by, um, I have no idea. It's not a Stephen King one. I can look it up. Well, uh, you're telling me what you thought about before and after. Uh, well, you know, it's. I thought it was, uh, we were going to have a bit of a crossover with Rotten Horror Picture Show because watching Kess give birth apparently out of her back <coughs> yeah. was one of the more disturbing things I've seen on yeah. Star Trek in a while. Or, or the vagina just goes way up there, way yeah, up I, there. It's yeah, F. Scott I, Fitzgerald I wrote Benjamin Oh, Bunn. really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he's, not a sci-fi uh, writer, but famous. Famous. Famous for... Uh, <laughs> Great guys. One, one letter for the first name. Yeah, and Zelda. Oh, yeah, that's right. His wife was Zelda, uh, and they named the video game after her. Is that true? I think so, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Man, she must have seemed like she... She must have been down to party. Yes. <laughs> that's naming that video She seems game. like a real fun Zelda lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
always hide in the Triforce where you least expect it. She's like Cass. Uh, yeah, you know, I thought it was. I thought it was good. It was. It was good in the way that Voyager episodes seem to be good. In that the whole time I'm watching it, all I could think about was the Next Generation, and <laughs> a, a better time. Yeah, like it's it's kind of like a, a Voyager riff on all good things, which is going to. If you're going to do that, I'm all I'm going to do is think about all good things because, as everybody knows, that's my favorite episode, single episode of the entire series. Okay. Um, yeah, I. I um do you think it's close to all good things? It's it's I I kept thinking of it because it has the same sort of going back through time, learning information to be used the next time she time jumps, that kind of thing. Okay, having to explain to people every time she time jumps that it it, it had kind of the same. I mean, she goes back to the beginning of her own life where she's yes. nothing more than a couple cells, which is kind of what they do in right. Q uh, says that primordial ooze or whatever you're right. about to crawl out of. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that doesn't have any bearing on anything really in the story. Um, and I, so I thought it was good, but it, I, I also felt that it was kind of in line with Voyager where at the end it kind of thought it wrapped up pretty quickly Yeah, and um, ultimately was, I don't know. It was fine, but I, I would say this is, definitely one of the better ones we've seen in a while yep um yeah i gotta think on it a bit more before i before i can rate this one i think i thought that the time travel construction was pretty unique for star trek i don't i don't think it was that's why i i guess i brought up like i don't think it's that similar to all good things i understand what you mean but it felt that um the mechanism of time travel was pretty unique in this one and yeah i went through kind of an interesting thing with it uh which was that when it started, like the first jump or two or three, I was starting to get extremely annoyed by the mechanics of it <laughs> because I was like, you know, because she doesn't know anything at the very end and she keeps jumping back and each time jump backwards, she gains information that she did not know. So she starts off not knowing anyone at all. She doesn't mm-hmm. know the names of the people. And for whatever reason, I found that infuriating for the first couple jumps. And it was just like, it was such a, cause it felt so, um, <clears throat> it felt so hard to be a viewer of the show and to know what's going on. And you're wondering when she's going to start putting it together. Eventually they get to a point where I guess I would compare it to something like cause and effect, which is that after a while, the jumps to restart the cycle don't need to show you everything. So they, mm-hmm. you can kind of build on things more effectively and get a little bit of momentum going. But, um, I thought that the, I thought the mechanics were kind of neat. I thought it was a good use of Kess and her, like what her origin yeah. is supposed to be. Like it's the only yeah. episode that's actually dealt with her lifespan problem and like even addressed it. I think in any kind of way that makes sense. That brings up a whole lot of weird questions about what goes yes. on in the lifetime of uh, Okampa. But I think that the the biggest reason that I, I don't I wasn't crazy about this one is that. In contrast with some of the better like TNG or uh, DS9 time travel episodes, I don't feel like I really learned much about anyone in this. Yeah, yes. It, it, it feels very much of the Voyager special of the sci-fi idea is the, the focus of it, and, and everything else is kind of tangential to that. Yeah, I actually thought it was what I, at the end of it, my only takeaway from it really was that it was sort of just laying track for stuff that was going to come further down the road, mm-hmm. specifically 
the stuff with um, Tom and Balana. And I actually, honestly, at the end, I didn't even know if she was in the right era. I, I thought for a second that they had taken the opportunity to to use this to jump them forward like six months or something. Oh, I see. Because right. I was I was so distracted by her hair. Because <laughs> now she's just got long hair. <laughs> As was my wife, my, my Amy. And this goes to show the difference between us. I didn't notice that at all, but it's all Amy was talking about at the end of the episode going like, why is her well, hair they- different? Yeah, they they use it as such a her hairstyle is such a marker of the different time periods. Yeah, I was that, fascinated with uh, the EMH's hair. Really, was the the thing yes. that was grabbing me this entire episode. <laughs> I do like that they did not address that whatsoever. <laughs> it's just like yeah, when they start him back up, he's got hair now. He's got hair. Um, but yeah, I, they used the hair on Kess as such a clear marker of like what time period she's yeah, in. Yeah, that ending her with the long hair made me feel like they had the point that we were going forward from now was like six months to a year in the future, which mm. honestly, it's a good way not, to cut not some the time worst off. idea. Yeah. 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 But yeah. It, yeah, it was just a kind of, I, I found that distracting and like I, because of the whole Acampa thing, I found myself doing like weird math in my head the whole time being yeah. like, yeah. okay, so her daughter is half human. So what's her lifespan like? How long did Harry wait before he married Tom Paris's this is his daughter? daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and now they have a son, a son. who is the a quarter doctor says company, is right? like yeah, the yeah. doctor said he's like 6 months old or something. Yeah, cuz he's he's not born in the first jump, right? Or is, maybe the second jump he's not born. Yeah, it's yeah, very the, soon. The, the doctor makes some he he says uh he 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 makes reference to when they met Kess initially mm-hmm. and he says like we met it's hard to believe we met you before you were even a year old not much older than your than your grandson is right now oh, so sure. i was like okay so does his grandson is like six months old or something i don't know yeah so i start doing all this weird like hybrid ocompan human yeah algebra you know, algebra in my head about like okay if she's a half here and he's a fact that means a quarter so how does that affect so that was a little bit distracting yeah um i was mostly distracted by like harry not seeming to wait more than six months to have a relationship with the child of tom paris struck me as apparently not yeah um i mean honestly interesting episode in there with tom paris being kind of weirded out that his best friend wants to bang his daughter who's like 18 months right. old who just who basically just appeared yeah like he's yeah. an infant in normal normal stuff yeah, yeah the, um the other excuse me the other ocompan thing is that it's weird to see excuse me it's like i understand kess is like saying she's only gonna live for like seven eight or nine years right works in the context of the show itself expecting to run that long i think mm-hmm. what's weird about it is that when you see the jumps and they mention like six months in a year or two years. And you've realized that to this point in the show, we've lived through a significant amount of Kess's life. You know, right. like it, it's yeah. kind of um, it's kind of disturbing. But the, the time jumping and the demarcation of them saying like this is six months, this is a year and you're going to be dead in a year. So you like you sort of work backwards in your head. It just makes it seem like her life is incredibly insignificant in a lot of ways. Well, it's so short. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about that in, in one of the previous episodes. I, I don't know if it was, I think it was the one where she breaks up with Neelix and threatens to, and wants to leave the show. Those are two separate episodes, I think. But they've touched on it a bit where she breaks up with Neelix and she's like, I want to do other stuff. And then that one where she wants to stay 
with uh, the other guy off the ship and live her new life yes. or whatever. Yep. And it's kind of, kind of like, yeah, you live for nine years. You've been on this ship for three, three of those years. nine years. Yeah. Your it's life a- is very boring. Yeah. That I I think that's what I'm getting at. It's like she's not living the life that she should live or that she seems to want to live, which is it, when it right. when it highlights it this way, it just seems kind of sad. Uh, but I guess she, you know, the the point of this episode is is saying that outside of these events, she is actually living a full life on the ship. It's just that this is the only episode that's shown any of that stuff to be happening. So. And then you're left wondering if any of it is going to happen at the end, because as they make it clear to say, this is only one possible timeline that they're they're following along. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, this is a stupid side thing, but it was a little strange when there when the first time she jumps back from uh, the first time that you see Tom Paris and you see other people on the on the the crew. Yep. They is like nine years or uh, six years into the future, and they have done no. I I, I guess they're in a weird spot because it's like is six years enough to do any aging to somebody? Oh right, yeah. So like, should Chakotay have more gray in his hair? Yes. Or should Tom be balding more? Yeah, fatter. You know what I mean? They they do it with the doctor through his his hair changes, but he's the only one. I guess that's the the best one that they can do. Yeah. I, I I found myself thinking about that. It's it's weird because I, I I just think it's it's an interesting idea. I think they do it pretty well for the most part. Like you said, the mechanic is interesting, but so much of these um, peripheral stuff I, I found distracting. Mm. Uh, and also, it, again, as these Voyager episodes tend to do, it's going along, going along, going along, and then it ends with the Doctor going and fixed it. And you're fine. Yeah. Yep. She's just everything's just fine now. Yeah. Just uh, had to flip this button and we're good to go. I actually couldn't really explain to you what they do to fix anything. And I, I know that's maybe not unusual for Voyager, but they sure. I don't really understand the mechanics of how they brought her back. I, I don't know if it's worth discussing. Did you have did you yeah. have any sense of it? It's like it just seems like you know, she went all the way back and then he did something with that little biochamber thing and that fixed mm. her, I guess. Well, the strange thing about it, I mean you get into this is where you decide whether how hard you want to get into time travel theory i guess but yeah. it's like is can she really theoretically go back past the point that she was infected with the radiation from that bomb apparently i guess yeah, she can yeah apparently she can yes they 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 do mention that in the episode saying oh they do yeah okay. saying that the chromaton bomb or whatever like if, is it possible to go back and then they also say is it possible to go back before you even exist which she doesn't i guess because that's their point of rebounding uh back into reality but i does she rebound because that's as far as you can go or does she rebound because that's when the doctor just grabbed her i think the doctor did something i because i when i was watching it i thought oh they're just gonna have her bounce back because that's it's like a ping pong hanging the wall or something like she just has to come back but the implication, I guess, at the end is that the doctor did something. I I don't think it's really important what the doctor did because it's all just mumbo jumbo in the in the first place. He's, but I, in my head, my I was envisioning him playing. You ever played the Arkham Arkham City games? Yeah, the Batman games. Batman games. You know when you have to do that thing where like Batman has to use like an echolocation thing to like yes, break he, break into a door yeah. and you got to line up the signals so they're the same wavelength. That's yeah. all I imagined he was doing. He's like, oh yeah, now she's on the same chrono path as everybody else. She's good to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, 
So it, it ultimately, like the the fixing of his, of her is not particularly anything at all. Did you? Yeah. I mean, did you find it to be an effective Kess episode? I thought it was fine just in, well, in showing what she is, but I didn't know. And it's funny because they go through quite a bit. Like they go through a lot of potential ideas that she could exist and she could have experienced. But for because I think of like how rapid it goes through things, it's not. It doesn't give me the inner light TNG journey of like right. you grow old with Picard and you sort of feel, even in the context of a 45-minute episode, you feel like you've lived another lifetime with him. So it's sad when he comes back at the very end. Yeah. I, th- I thought this felt a little bit too quick. Yeah, I found myself coming away thinking this is an interesting idea. Um, I think the sci-fi aspect of it was executed fairly well for the show. But I think it runs into the problem that a lot of these episodes do, which is I don't find I don't know why Kess needed to go on this journey. I don't know what and so I could be misremembering. I might be giving TNG more credit. Yep. But like all good things, I feel like Picard is on a journey for a certain on that journey for a certain reason and learns something at the end of it. Right. That's as we've talked a million times before. The reason you do time travel stories is so the person traveling through time can learn something about the time they currently live in through the actions that they take in whatever time they go to. Yeah. I mean, because that one's kind of a summation of the series, which is going like seeing how things have changed from the very beginning, the first episode all the way to now. It's it's less so with cause and effect because cause and effect is more of like a mystery that you have to kind of solve a puzzle. But like yesterday's Enterprise, you learn a lot about Picard through yesterday yesterday's enterprise that you wouldn't normally learn through a normal episode and uh you don't learn so much about and there's the sacrifice aspect yes you know? yeah. yeah yeah you don't learn so much about uh Guinan, who's the one who's caught between worlds but right. like you learn a lot about tasha you are yeah you know you, you, you're 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 seeing how this time travel is affecting these characters in, in a in a major way this i don't like by the time that they get to the end of it I don't feel like Kess has really got, learned anything from the journey, or I. I don't feel like enough has been enough attention has been given to her shortened lifespan, right? For me to feel like at the end of this, she has a new outlook on anything, you know. Except for like, well, I guess I need to go do my work now because there's no time like the present. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. But that's just like a fun line to end the episode on. But like, what is, what is Kess taking away from this experience that has enlightened her anymore to her own situation? To, to herself. Yeah. Yeah. She, she I, learns I don't ex- think there is exterior anything. details. She learns, she learns about right. possible things that might happen to the ship, but nothing about herself. Right. And yeah. I, I think that's the biggest, the biggest missed opportunity for the episode. Yeah. Cause I think that, um, I think it suffers from that because of the way Voyager does stuff, which is to say, like, in the inner light, right, like Picard, in the inner light, um, Picard has a couple, has a scene or two where he, like, establishes where he is and what, like, how he can't get out of this, right? And then it starts aging him. And it's the the later scenes of it are more about showing how he's settled into this new life, right? As he's, like, he has a family and he's growing mm-hmm. old and his wife dies and his family and the whole planet dies, the problem is that Voyager is copying the cause and effect, sto- the cause and effects 
mystery story. So what Kess has to do, and all she has time to do in each jump is to go, this is what's happening, doctor. You told me last time that this is the thing that's going to be happening now. My body temperature is dropping. And it's this like, she doesn't really have time to explore what's happening to her because she has to constantly relay to the other characters what's going on with her. Right, yeah. And it it just becomes more of like the sci-fi component than it is about her learning anything through this journey of going back through time, which is pro- probably a very difficult thing to kind of construct as like a, a like a story that makes sense. But mm-hmm. I, I just found that she was... There were, there's a lot of scenes of techno babble in this where they're like talking mm-hmm. about the bio chamber, they're talking about this thing, they're talking about that thing, and it doesn't really give Kess enough time to establish the fact that she has a family, that she's doing all these other things, that there are these potential things that might happen to Voyager, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, I think it wouldn't take much, honestly, because especially all I, all I think it really takes is when she's at her oldest point. Um. So it's another one. I, I, I've said this a few times. I hate saying this, but I feel like this would be better served as like a Balana episode, even though it doesn't. It's not a one to one, obviously, because it's very specifically dealing with her comp and physiology. But <clears throat> the reason I say that is because I feel like what's missing is I, they Kess never changes the way she approaches anything. Right. She's the yep. same at the same level always. I don't. I don't even know if we've ever seen her like yell at anybody, except for that one time where she was acting like a crime. Boss oh yeah, when she got she got possessed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, so what I think is missing is older Kess having some sort of freak out or outburst about how her life is so short and that she doesn't. She's she's at the end of her life being presented with all these things that she never chose to do, like some sort of some sort of inner turmoil that is a result of her having nine years to live, even if that's not specifically what the story is about. Yeah. Uh, inner turmoil about having nine years to live and having gotten to the end of that and looking looking back at this moment, having no idea how she got there. So yeah. like you can use that as a jumping off point, so, um, which will lead you into you could do a similar scene with her with Tom when Tom is telling her about their kids and then you know she say something like you know i i've i've been on this ship my entire life and every everything just has gone it's just i don't remember anything it's like a blur so th- this get into what this problem means for her instead of just how do we stop the ship from blowing up and the people die which is fine yep. i mean that's obviously going to be part of it but yep. there's I, I think there is a there is another draft of this story that is an A plus five star episode. Yeah, but it's it, they didn't get there. I would agree. I think that like philosophically, the point to me almost kind of seems to be like, um, uh, like you're you're always everyone is is kind of unaware or doesn't really pay attention to the fact that they could be at their end of their life, right? Like you right. So you could get hit by a car tomorrow and you wouldn't recognize that today get is- killed the, walking your doggy. That if you pull a, pull a Brent Spiner in Picard season two and get you, you can't, you don't know when the end is going to come. So I feel like if you open this with something about Kess feeling frustrated about her life or something, and then you do this backwards thing, Kess has this unique opportunity to kind of like know exactly- how finite her life is in a very understandable way. 
Yeah. And you can go back and you can sort of see that like even all these bad things that are happening, she can get to the end of it and have sort of like this like, you know, come to Jesus moment where she's like, all of this is going to build what I am. Like even if it doesn't work out the way that I that I experienced, I have to appreciate the moments because it's going to shape how I was at the beginning of this episode, which is when I'm an right. old person. Right. But she doesn't she doesn't even comment on that towards the end. They're more they're more interested in the timeline that they're potentially in. You know, like they're yeah. they're interested in the Voyager aspect of like, well, holy shit. Like I wonder if any of that stuff is going to actually come to pass. Like, do you want to tell us about any of the stuff? And she's like, no, it's better you don't know. But I feel that she needs to have a conversation about like if she doesn't want to tell them about how she saw the future happen, she has to have at least have a little monologue where she explains like but she came to appreciate the journey all the more and that everyone else right. should too. So I don't know, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I know this is all hindsight, <clears throat> obviously, and I don't know what sort of plans were in, in place for Kess to leave the show, which I believe, is that happened at the end of the season or does it start like the start, beginning of start season, of season four? four? Okay. Either way, I don't, if they, I think in retrospect, if they knew that they were going to write her off the show, there's so many episodes that we've covered that just feel like great opportunities to dig into what her status quo is and what her feeling is about being on the ship and, and about how much time she has and which would be a great lead up to Kess eventually leaving the show. I don't know how she leaves the show. I don't know if she gets blown up or if she just decides not to go with them or what. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But assuming she doesn't get killed by a muck monster. Yes. Um, that's a safe assumption. Yeah. Uh, I think there's, there's, they could have spent a lot of this season looking at her character and, 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 um, telling stories about her journey and why she ultimately chooses to leave. If that's in fact what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's it's so unfortunate because I feel like so many of these sci-fi episodes that actually have pretty good concepts end up just not being much more than the concept. Yeah, I think, and that, they do the concept pretty well, but at the end, it's just like, oh, fine. Yes, I would agree. I um, that's basically how I feel about this one. But it, that's yeah. a it's a it's a real Voyager trait. I think they they yeah. definitely pulled a lot of the um, sci-fi angle writers like Minoski and Braga over like those are those are writers who tend to really default to the sci-fi concept is like the strong point and you just kind of go from there um right and it doesn't you know there, there's a time and a place for it. sometimes it works for braga like it works in cause and effect to great effect um but for here i think it's just it's coming down to again to the fact that you just don't know the voyager characters well enough to for this to to mean anything and yeah. it's it's the same with like you know, Janeway's dead for most of the episode, and it's it, it does it didn't land. Thank in the, you in the way that Thank I you, Michael. <laughs> I I needed the week off. I appreciate it. <coughs> she was doing her is, casting is call. Pillar, is Pillar running the show at this point? No, he's he's show? gone. He's gone okay. at this point. This is a Jerry Taylor run show. Ah, this yes. Season. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. They can. Uh, my favorite Jerry moving forward. Once the <laughs> other one shows up, I can tell you that much. <laughs> and. That's, we haven't really talked about that. A female showrunner, I would have expected Janeway to really come into fruition in her season. But is she? Is it? A, it's a female Jerry. Yeah, it's a female Jerry. J E R I. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm. Um, but I guess we'll wait for a Janeway episode to talk about that, maybe. Um, so now we're at a point where uh, 
I've read some of the patron comments, and I was not sure how to handle this with you. But the patrons too talk- many too many n words. <laughs> the patrons, <laughs> the patrons um, talk about this, so I think that I have to. What did you think of the year of hell plot line in this? Um, <clears throat> fascinating thing to drop uh, if they are just going to avoid it now. Like this, I, I feel like the year of hell thing would have potential to be so uh, when i when i talked to before about this feeling more like them just laying track for stuff to come in the future that feels like something that they could be laying track for that they just cannot deal with in a more efficient way yeah but you but you now know that there is this other alien race out there who's really going to fuck them up yeah and they're kind of on a path towards meeting it do you know do they do these do they actually run into these guys so this was extremely distracting to me because I know about it. The year of hell basically plays out like what they say in this episode does. And it's an upcoming oh, really? storyline in Voyager. Um, okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to assume not exactly the way. Not, not, ex- not exactly. Um, <clears throat> there are going to be some changes, but the, like the general idea down to the name of the aliens is the same mm-hmm. and it stays mm-hmm. the same. Um, so I found that incredibly distracting because it was, and I guess originally, production-wise, Year of Hell was supposed to be the uh, ending and start of this season into the next. It was going to be like the cliffhanger episodes. Sure. But they don't do they do not do that. They'll do uh, Scorpion instead, and Year of Hell comes later. But I was, I was a little bit distracted by it, and I was wondering how you interpreted it, not knowing that it was going to be something that was going to happen, whether or not it was like a mistake. How you thought of it in terms of the storyline, whether or not it was something that was like important enough or like effective enough to include, if you thought it was not actually going to happen, because I yeah. was distracted by it going like, I'm I'm shocked that I, I frankly I didn't think that Voyager was capable of planning this far ahead in some right. ways, you know. So that, right. that's what yeah. really caught me off guard by it. Yeah, you know, I it's one of those things where I I if they had ended the episode on more of a um i don't know if bittersweet or let's say like slightly foreboding note mm-hmm. that implied that what you saw in this episode was previews of things to come these guys are coming and they're going to fuck us up like that that would be r- really interesting um in in a, a way similar to the way they introduced the borg in, in TNG yeah but the way that they end this, I don't expect these guys ever to show up or be talked about ever. Right? Yeah. Well, that would be, and if you've been watching the show to this point, you'd be like, "This is never yeah. going to be mentioned again." Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I assume they probably have a civil war going on or something. And well, they also they also undermine that. it with the ending scene of like, who knows if any of this is going to happen? That to me, that's a hand right. wavy thing, right? They're just like, saying that none of this is actually canon. Is why what I take that to mean? Yeah. Like I feel like what they need is. You have Kess have that sort of up attitude about it when she's like, yeah, you know, I should probably uh, should probably go check this stuff out. And they're like, well, why don't you stay here? And she's like, you know what? I learned there's no better time than the present. Boop, 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 boop. And then she <laughs> and then she leaves and she's got like another scene with a doctor where she's like, I've seen what's coming. Right. We need to prepare for this. It's going to be bad. Yeah. You know, like that kind yeah. of thing where it's like, oh, it's the stuff she saw is real it is gonna happen the fact that they're leaving her i'm assuming with long hair 
should be like your first first inkling, uh, inkling that that's the direction they're going. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I feel like they if they had given a bit of a tag at the end where it ends on a bit of a, a down kind of foreboding note, yeah. I think it I think at the very least it I think that bumps the episode up even by itself yeah. because now yeah. you're coming away and you're thinking oh well okay now Kess has actually learned something this is, wasn't just about her this was about the, the what's upcoming and the possible fate that that is um yeah uh, awaiting the ship in a way that the episode as it stands now doesn't really seem concerned with see and knowing about it sorry i was just going to say cuz like the the way that they bring it up she's like uh Jane White by the way just because it's on my mind. If you happen to run into this space, there's these guys called the whatever they're called. Well, that, that's the uh, that's try the to thing. try to avoid those guys. The, She's like, okay, sure. Well, that's the thing. When I see knowing about this, when she told Janeway about the Kremen, it's not in the ending timeline. So telling that Janeway is not helpful to this Kess because Kess ends up with a different Janeway, right? What she she Kess time jumps again after that. Doesn't she? I thought she told her about the Kremen in like the final scene. Oh, I don't think when she, she's. Oh, I did she? When she's I, back, I, I honestly don't remember. Oh, she definitely tells Janeway in a prior timeline that, and then jumps again. And I was like, don't tell that Janeway because that Janeway doesn't isn't going to be with us in the in the, if, the next thing. If that is true, which I can't remember if that's true or not. If that is true, then yes, that's not the way to do it. Yeah, that and maybe maybe I'm, hold on. Let me look at the memory out for the last thing uh senior staff t- pushes Kess to tell them about the future but tuvok points out that Kess' experience was only one possible interactions at that point likely affects the future Kess does promise to write a report to janeway that all the information oh but decides to keep the rest to herself she does tell her about the kremen kremen at okay. the end okay so I, I missed that at all but she uh but even still does the, she the mention it they, to janeway they, they, that's such a terrible way to do that to say i'll write a report to janeway about it and not have her talk to janeway about it yeah I, I, that's what I, that's what i mean I, like it needs <coughs> excuse me they they toss that stuff off so uh cavalierly that it never feels like it's going to matter or come up again where if they had just been joking around about whatever and then she's like captain can i talk to you for a quick second right and then it's like captain we're going to go into a certain sector of space that is going to have these guys that are really bad news. Yep. They're, they, we need to prepare. I saw your and death. Even, yeah. 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 And even in Janeway could either, uh, either go with it and be like, okay, thank you. Or maybe even Janeway brushes it off a little bit, which leaves Kess a little disturbed about things. Right. You know, yep. it's, I, I think that's what this needs to really kind of get us into, she needs to have the letter that she writes to doc about the fact he's going to get shot by the Libyans. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Such a weird part of that movie in right <laughs> Were they were they Libyans? I guess they were yeah. Libyans, yeah. Libya Libyan terrorists come yep. to shoot Doc Brown because he <laughs> he didn't build them a bomb and he stole their plutonium. <laughs> Time and a place. Thanks everybody. I will for say sorry, I was just gonna say I will say when I was a kid, um, anytime my family and I were on a road trip, anytime we saw one of those VW buses. Yep. Um, my parents would always point and go, look, the Libyans. They're there. Because <laughs> that's what they drive in the movie. Yep. Yep. I don't think I would have been, I wouldn't have been able to find Libya on the map. Maybe I still can't. 
Thanks, everybody. For, somewhere in the middle. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast today as we talked about before and after. If you want to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Leave your thoughts there and we read them on the podcast. You also get extra content, extra podcasts and all that stuff. It's much appreciated. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. So, Clay, I will, I'll read a lot of these to get through them, but I'll send you this one first so I can... <clears throat> do this myself. So this is Kyle Barrett with Before and After. Before and After. With Neelix as security officer, no wonder Captain Janeway's dead. This episode highlights to me the missed potential of having a character who ages like Kess on the show. How cool would it be if she was born in the pilot and died from old age in the series finale? The show charting her lifetime with perhaps a different actress playing her each season. That'd be kind of fun. Mm. Instead of focusing on her character, this episode <clears throat> is more interested in the sci-fi conceit and plotting with Kess not really learning or developing. Harry hanging around until her infant daughter becomes fuckable is just uncomfortable. Mm. And why would an alien on a starship in the future call their son something boring like Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> it should be Zenith or Quasar or something cool like that. Three Ocompen gilfs out of five. I know it was probably intentional. It took me a, a very long time to understand who was related to who in the beginning of this as they were jumping back in time. It's like, wait a minute, what is Harry doing in this? Like, I understand Tom seems to be the husband, but who's the daughter? It's confusing. Right. Yeah. How old is her daughter? Yeah, one like, camp in year, which is the age that I, Neelix was hooking up with Cass, I guess. I get, well, technically, she could be older than that, though, because she's half human. I don't know how that's, that's, oh, the, right. that's what I'm saying. Right. That's when I started doing this math in my right. head. Right. Yeah. She is just 12 human years old. Norman Buckwald says, Before and after, an interesting time concept that works well. Clearly, Trek has not exhausted what they can do with time as of yet. Doing it with the short-lived Ocampan Kess works perfectly and actually creates perhaps the most compelling episode of Kess as the Kess we know and love. Given that, the sequences of the Oh No, If She Is Doomed... Oh No, If She Is Doomed was a bit much, but otherwise great compelling story, uh, great and compelling what-if story. 4.5, 1.47 microseconds temporal missile readings out of five. So I think that's a four out of five from Norman. Point next to G says, before and after, it's nice to see a different spin on a time travel episode. Using Kess's entire life as a framing device is a great use of the character, and it's always fun to see potential what-ifs of the series' future. Jennifer Lien does a very good job, especially as the older Kess. Woodrow says, before and after, befitting Kess's humble lifespan instead of fumbling around shouting, Q, why am I here? Uh, her, Q, why am I her? Kess immediately begins solving the crisis, preventing her daughter from getting groomed by Tom's hollow sweet wingman and successfully restoring Harry's virginity, all while having an epic death. Four no, out of five. No preventing that. No. I did I did find myself thinking like the the day that Harry, that um Paris's daughter was born, do you think he and Harry were like having a drink and he's like, Tom, you got a really beautiful daughter there. Um <laughs> growing up right before how, our eyes how long before it's cool if you know that's, what i mean that's the that we were talking about that recently right there should be sexual frustration on voyager they're like hair this, it kind of makes sense with you know whatever the, like they never want to go in the holodeck for this kind of stuff but you could work it into the story harry would have right. brought it up awkwardly early i think although tom would have been cool with it <laughs> it would have been it would have been great if in that part of the timeline <clears throat> Like the underlying thing was that Tom was not cool with this. <laughs> He's like, well, she's my daughter. She can make her own decisions. But uh, I don't know. She's like 10. Every time. Well, I guess, no, she she must be tops. She's like 
three. The grand, the two, yeah, maybe? the daughter, yeah, 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 two, yeah. Yeah, yeah, too. Every time she jumps back, Tom should just be yelling, "Don't let Harry touch her!" Royo <laughs> <laughs> with uh, before and after. Before and after, a fresh time travel episode that appears to have inspired other shows after it. An episode so memorable, I can still remember the de- that still remember the details of the day I first watched this episode when it was broadcast. An awfully ambitious episode that genuinely had me at the edge of my seat, wondering how Kess was going to get herself out of this one especially when she regressed to the point of being a zygote. Although, to be fair, I was far younger back then. <laughs> we were all. Look at this picture far, of me when I was younger. Far younger than the zygote? <laughs> Especially neat is, is that this episode uses its time travel premise to provide us a preview of the famous upcoming Year of Hell in Season 4, a concept that doesn't get used enough, in my opinion. There's also <laughs> That should be the name of the show. <laughs> Uh, there's yeah. also a bittersweet element to this episode to see this rich tapestry of life ahead of Kess that will be all lost when Seven of Nine replaces her. A classic Star Trek episode, five out of five. At this at this rate, we'll keep getting younger until we suffer a fate worse than death. Pre-life, then death. There's a quote from <laughs> Professor Hubert Farnsworth. Benjamin Espinosa says, before and after, this one started out with a big eye roll. However, by the second act, I was hooked. The mention of the Krennin and the Year of Hell, and I knew this was a prequel episode of sorts. This episode foreshadows terrible events to come, while at the same time offering us some cool what-if scenarios. Tom and Kess, Harry and Lennis. Is it Lennis? I can't remember. Janeway and Bolana's death, etc. Even the doctor with hair. I loved the cinematography elements with Kess going back in time until before her very birth. Very cool ideas and a great use of time travel. Best episode of the season so far, five out of five. I do like that um, after the doctor gets shut down for like a year or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. When he comes back on, he's just like, you know, he basically has like a midlife crisis. And yeah. He gets hair plugs and yep. finally chooses a name and yeah, reinvents Dr. Van Gogh. <laughs> reinvents himself. Yeah. Also, also, we haven't even mentioned, I think, is this the first actual on screen documented use of a camera? Oh, who, Star takes, Trek? who takes a picture? They take the picture of Kess holding the baby. Her granddaughter. Yeah, that's right. And it's like a it's like a tricorder that <laughs> works like a, a Polaroid camera. It's true. It might it. You know, we might have answered a question there. It might actually be the very first use of a camera. It comes out like Polaroid, right? Just prints out the picture. Yeah, I can't remember if it prints it out or if it's like an iPhone where they just turn oh, they it look at it. And, yeah, I can't remember. Gotcha. Jonas says, before and after, the sci-fi element of the plot requires at least two episodes. So Kess is shot with a time gun, causing her to relive short periods of time in reverse order, starting with old age. Eventually, she gets back to the point at which she was shot, figures out the phase shift, whatever that is, caused by the time gun, and tells the doctor about it, who brings her back to the present before she can regress all the way to non-existence. Well, okay, I guess. We know that Kess saw only one of an infinite number of possible futures. Why, then, does everyone treat what she saw as the future? A high three out of five. Because you got, that's what you do in these stories. Yeah. Because if you tell them what's going to happen, then it's going to change. It's going to be weird. Yep. It's going to tear a hole in the space time continuum. Grappler John Zorn says, before and after, it's like that one when Worf was jumping around in alternate realities, except it's Kess. Honestly, I don't even know if this is a good episode or not. I, if I cared about Kess, I might think it, I, I think it might be. Have I been rooting for Kess and the rest of the characters to actually turn into 
characters? Sure, but after a certain number of mind-numbingly mediocre hours wasted waiting for it to happen, I find myself just watching and waiting for the episode to be magically over, which is exactly what happens. At least it's implied that Harry got to wet his wick off screen this time. Two holographic toupees out of five. It's true. Harry, Planet Blue Balls, it might be responsible for this episode that <laughs> Harry finds himself in. Um, you know, I was thinking, do you think it's important to the story that Kess has no memories? Uh, sorry, at the very start, do you mean? Through the whole thing, how she has no memories of her past. Because um, she wakes up, because she has zero memories. Like she, It's not right. like she just has alternate timeline memories. Yes. She has no memories no memory. whatsoever. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mentioned as I thought was frustrating. Um, would it, if she knows everything, I think it's just too obvious, right? It's entirely done because of the mystery aspect of it. Like right. if she knows what's, what's going on. Um, so for the yes, for the construct of how they decided to do this, I think it's necessary. And I, I, I appreciated it by the time that it was getting going. I just found it annoying at the start of things. Yeah. Does it I mean, does it but if she did remember her life, yep. <coughs> excuse me, does it not offer more opportunity to do the kind of thing where she's sitting there with Tom Paris thinking about talking and, yeah. and he's telling her about their relationship and their daughter and she's like you know i never you know she has memories up to a point yeah then you know i don't know i would have been fine with it just putting it at the end really you know like because yeah. i feel like that can be your summary thing but as you're saying it doesn't i guess you know I, it. what the, the problem is though is that her chrono whatever happens at a point past where we have seen her yeah yeah have right. seen her yeah and so if she has memories of the past then she has memories of stuff that we haven't seen yeah so I, it makes sense i yeah. guess it, i mean i don't know if it makes sense but it, it's i can see why they did it yeah it's an understandable decision matt ross says before and after i like this one as it reminded me of the star child sequence in 2001 interesting idea and it revives storylines and we see how adversity and circumstances changes the crew into their new roles like neelix and security and more children nice callbacks to earlier seasons and a setup for the year of hell Nice little touches of the doctor's arrogance and his own creativity, as well as adding hair, which is fun. Four hair pieces out of five. I do like the running joke of the doctor in every timeline says that he came up with a brilliant thing to, yes. to solve the problem. Yeah, that was very funny. Um, Textile bear, before and after, what the hell is the blue cake made of? It looks like cheese wheel. Anyway, you can tell this is an alternate <laughs> timeline because Harry Kim is confirmed to have gotten laid. That aside, an episode that is mainly interesting because it offers a glimpse into an alternate Voyager future, which is something I always like, even if it features yet more time travel of sorts. Bob J. Kester says, before and after, the puzzle is fascinating, the personal and sci-fi stakes are balanced, and as an old Adam Warlock fan, I love a flash forward that pays off later. But I find nice. myself mostly moved when the mom said someday her daughter will see the sun. Four belated birthday presents out of five. Discussion topic. Would this make a better intro to Voyager than the pilot? Ooh. Interesting question. Um, no. No. Because you need to know what need, Kess's deal is for you, this to work. Yeah, and you need. I think you need to know. I was confused with knowing the new people. Imagine not knowing anybody on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it like be. It, there's. If you get to the end, the fact that Tom and Bolana are together means nothing to you if you don't know why that's weird. Yeah. You know? Right. Kat says, before and after, one interesting piece of continuity with the episode is when Voyager encounters the Krennan in season four, 
Seven identifies the same frequency number, or whatever it's called, to defend against the Krennan's attacks. However, Janeway apparently forgets Kess's warning about the Krennan. I like this episode. Some will hate it. It felt fresh. That makes me really mad. That Janeway doesn't remember. <laughs> the fuck, man? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. What are you going to do this for if you don't? <laughs> <laughs> she didn't read the report. There's probably a line of dialogue saying that she was too tired to read the report. I just thought she was crazy. Changeling says before and after, he's, he's got another fucking song. I'm going to send this one to you to see if you can identify which one this is. There's got to be a before and after before the show is set right. Oh, jeez. Uh, what is this? What song is it? I have no idea. Soon we'll get to 7 and 9. We'll just have to get through this shite. There's got to be a before and after before the show is set right. Soon we'll ha- get to 7 of 9. We just have to get through this shite. I don't know. Yep, we'll just keep keep reading. We're going to we're going to need clues. You know what? Changeling. Just skip it. Skip it. <laughs> Overall this episode was pretty good, but two things <coughs> irk me. One, Harry marries someone when we had an episode of him engaged to Libby on Earth and was pained to leave her behind. I guess it is because he knows that the Acampan will die before they get back. Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe not. She's half human. That's the best affair. It is. The best, the best affair plus is someone is, who wants to survive. Plus it is his best to... friend's daughter. Yep. Two, it is a pet peeve of mine. I hate traveling backwards through time via jumps. Just one, <coughs> just once I would want them to experience all the time in reverse like they are in the Red Room from Twin Peaks. Mm. 3.5 Neelix is commenting on Kess's blowing in front of her husband out of five <coughs> it was she put out all the candles <coughs> excuse me clear my throat here a couple more dialing up star trek says before and after wait i'm confused if kessa only lives nine years and she has a child then she would only live to see her child turn eight years old yeah that's like 90 percent of their well it's literally yeah about 90 percent of their life right I don't know how my numbers work. You know what I'm Sorry, I'm confused. Wait, if Kess only lives nine years and she has a child, then she would only... Assuming... I guess she couldn't have a... Ch- no, that wouldn't be right because she's three right now, and so she doesn't have the child till she's like five or six or four at least. Yep. And so she would only live to see the child be five. But they're... Sorry, they're... they're Okay, let me see if the rest of this fills me in. Her daughter is not Okampa because the doctor says there are no other Okampas on board. Wait, does Kess age like dogs do? Seven years equals one human year. How could she be alive and have a grown daughter? They just, they're both aging quickly, right? Am I missing yeah, something that, that's going on here? I, I don't think that, I don't know if that's a show something or maybe he misheard something, but I mean, it's clear that the daughter ages quickly. Yes, yeah. Okay. I would have made all this a growing old end of life dream where Kess learns what matters most is the relationship she has on Voyager and what she wants to stay. Yes. I know that I would make. I know that would make Clay so happy. Again, another reliable sore. Again, another reliable sort of one out of five. Yes. Please make Neelix chief of security for Voyager. So yes, they're they're all aging quickly. Mm-hmm. Atanga says before and after. With I, the- to for the record, <clears throat> I don't need this to be a dream. I just need it to be about something. <laughs> That would be a dream. Atanga says, before and after, with the glorious reveal of Kessa's back vagina, the Ocampa officially becomes Star Trek's dumbest alien species, beating out that, <clears throat> that guy with the crap over his mouth that quarks her soup to in Melora. Seriously, she has mustard hands when she's ovulating and now a back vagina. Do the Ocampa even have <laughs> genitals down there, Tom? 
Meanwhile, Harry knocks up Tom's daughter just a few months after seeing her in diapers. Janeway dies off screen and Chronoton Technobabble is the key to it all. It's a fresh enough time to travel story and although a pretty fun outing for Voyager. Three sweet Year of Hell references out of five, plus one bonus open back sack. Artoria says... Actually, Janeway dies on camera. She gets blown up at the... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, she does, yeah. Artoria says, before and after, I wonder if this is really... I wonder if when this was released, the directors were teasing the fans to see if they liked Tom ending up with Castle Bolana better. This episode is surprisingly good. I have to admit I was concerned in the beginning, but this episode won me over. The concept of aging back in time and using the experience to inform your present is an interesting concept. Although Kim marrying Paris's daughter put a lot of weight to the phrase robbing the cradle. Kim, you were born a virgin, you will die a virgin, and only your fleas will mourn you. Four Conaton torpedoes out of five... <laughs> Uh, sorry, where where am I? One last one. Jaron Hatch says, "Let me sorry, make sure this is right." Yes, Jaron Hatch says, "Before and after, I think this one benefits from a long string of mediocre to bad episodes preceding it because it feels like a breath of fresh air." On its own, it's an entertaining time travel episode, and in classic Voyager style, it never really rises above its superficial novelty. Still, this might be the best Kess episode out there, mostly due to the fact that there aren't really any good Kess episodes. 3.5 classically bad Star Trek hair pieces out of five. Is she going to keep the long hair? I don't know. I think so. I think she so. looks weird with it. I don't like the long hair. She looks very different. Yeah, it's... Um, I should say... Looks a little dated. She looks... I think she looks fine with it but she looks different like yeah. i don't look at her and see Cass. i look at her and oh you, you, see she looks like person. a different person interesting yeah thanks everybody for listening i agree with the um uh but the, thanks everybody for leaving your thoughts on patreon patreon.com slash the penske file thanks for the support clay what are we going to give it i liked uh, jaron's comment here about this probably benefits from the mediocrity that we saw before the episode mm. got here. I saw a bunch of fives uh, from the patrons, and I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna judge your taste, but I I can't give this one a five. But what are you gonna give it? No, I'm not gonna give it a five. I am gonna give it a four. I think. Okay. Because uh, I do think this is probably the most inventive episode we've seen. Again, it, it's a it doesn't quite get there. I think there's I think there's a lot of pieces yep. that could get it there, but it's just not all there for me. So I I'd, I'd say it's I'd say it's better than average, but it's not great. Yeah, I'm going to I'm just going to say it's a high 3 for me. Um I don't think I would show I wouldn't recommend this one to anyone, I don't think. Uh it's good for hmm. the season, but it's just it's not something that like I thought it was just good. I thought it was competently good, really, uh, and it didn't it didn't bore me to tears or anything like that. But a high three, definitely one of the stronger episodes we've seen in a while. Yeah, That's yeah I don't know if I would if I would recommend this one. I I probably would. I don't know if. Well, <laughs> it's tough because at this point, I are there ten that I would recommend like above any other ones? No, I mean for yeah. me certainly not. Like I I would recommend like. Tuvix, Eye of the Needle, I think, are the two that pop out to my mind. Um, it's probably a couple of others. There's that one in the first season that I really liked. But no, that, there's probably not five Voyager episodes that I would say, yeah, you should watch this one. Yeah, yeah. So, strong three. It's a four for Clay. Thanks, everybody. Patreon.com slash The Penske Files. Support us there if you want to. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, check out Run Hard Picture Show and Badass beyond Bat- uh, batman what's this called the badass podcast <laughs> uh 
and uh, we've got a comic book on the stands right now. We've got Batman White Knight Presents Generation Joker. Number five is coming out soon. Uh, number six, the last ep- uh, issue comes out in October. So check that out. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll be back next week with Real Life, which is a doctor episode, I think. Hopefully he still has his hair. And uh, other than that, thanks for listening. Join the Discord. Leave your comments. Let us know what you thought about before and after and why we're wrong and why it's the greatest Voyager episode of all time. Thanks very much for listening. (laughs) We will see you next time.